Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Be Present Podcast with your host, Rashad Smith. Please rate, subscribe, and leave feedback on this podcast where you can stream on all major streaming platforms. We're going to talk about Rosh Kadesh, the month of Nisan. Similarly to the episode Rosh Kadesh, month of Adar, I'll share what Nisan represents based off of biblical principles, which will help us prophesy according to God's timetable and also how to set ourselves up for success for this month. While I will not go into details again about Rosh Kadesh, what it represents, I'll remind you of two major things. One, it's a time of reflection to renew oneself in Yahweh and to get insight into how to have success and proceed in the current month. Two, it does not directly coincide with the Greco-Roman calendar time frame. Nisan actually began on March 26, 2020. Number three, you can refer to episode uploaded on 3-4-2020 for more details on Rosh Kadesh itself. The month of Adar was quite interesting to say the least, wasn't it? Although some of us might have been anticipating a specific type of joy to manifest in our lives and in our atmosphere due to the pandemic that didn't happen for us. We didn't see a specific type of joy. Yet we must look closer. Our God is up to something and his plan always trumps any humans or dark forces plans against his chosen. Be encouraged in that. In order to have a clear understanding of Nisan, you cannot separate that it was Israel's first mandated feast within this month, Passover. Exodus 12, 12 states, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Exodus 2, 12, 2 was instruction from Yahweh to Moses and Aaron for Israel. Further instruction was provided on what Israel was supposed to do to observe Passover, how to celebrate Passover and receive salvation as the death spirit passed over those whose doorposts had the blood's lamb on it, which meant Yahweh had graced with salvation. So here are some biblical key takeaways on Passover. I'd encourage you to refer to and read these scriptures, Genesis 15 verses 5, 7, 13, 14 through 15, 16 and 18. Okay, number one. Passover was about Yahweh's power demonstrated on behalf of his people. I think we often overlook and forget what Passover truly meant, but it was a power display. It was a showdown on behalf of his people. We'll see this in a second. Number two, Passover was about Yahweh's power demonstrated for his people to believe in him. Now, you could imagine 400 years of being oppressed, which was prophesied to their forefather, Abraham, that they would be oppressed for the iniquity of the Amorites. You can imagine that they might have lost hope and they might have given up. And there were a few generations who had died in captivity in slavery. And you could imagine that these people were waiting to see a sign from their God. They had believed in the God of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who displayed himself in so many ways to them. Why was he not doing it for them? But Passover was about Yahweh's power demonstrated for his people. Passover, number three, was about Yahweh's covenantal promise 
with his friend Abraham. And you can see that in Genesis 15. Number four, Passover was about Yahweh's covenantal promise that was both sure and strong enough to break the might and surety of a wicked justice system and regime. That is ancient Egyptian rule. I want to stop and rest here just for a few seconds. This coincides with the second key takeaway that I just stated. You want to read Exodus chapter 12 and you want to see that Yahweh himself tells Moses, I am going to send this spirit of death. And when I see the lamb's blood on the doorpost and on the lintel of those who have heeded the instruction, I will pass over, but I will judge the gods of Israel. Sorry, the gods of Egypt. I have never heard anyone teach or talk about Yahweh was judging Egypt's ancient gods. And even still today, these gods are worshipped just in different mannerisms and different names. That is the meat and potatoes about Passover. And you can find this all the way from plague number one to plague number 10. Yahweh was making a display, making an expression, making a, a statement. You magicians, you soothsayers, you false practitioners, you can mimic what has been created, but you cannot create. And he was saying, I'm about to create and do something and shake the entire earth and your kingdom that you can't even mimic. That is going to cause such grief in you that you have nothing to do except hear my word, heed my word and let my people go so they might worship me. That is what Passover is about. Number five. Passover was about sonship. I stated in the very first episode that Yahweh is no longer dealing with slaves. He's dealing with sons. You might want to learn how to be a son and come out of slavery once Passover happens and your shackles are unloosened and your chains are broken free because you will have been delivered from slavery and you don't want to go back there. You need to understand how to prepare and get your mindset, your emotions and your spirit ready from being out of a place of captivity and bound by a governmental evil regime, a wicked justice system that is under ancient Egyptian gods and rules that you are a son of Yahweh and not a son of Egypt. You can see this in Exodus 12, 28. Number six, Passover was about confronting and disempowering Egyptian heresies from their false worship of their false gods. Yahweh's response to that was, I am Adonai. We have to see there is one God, one baptism, one faith, and we have to worship. That is succinct. That is one of the things that is black and white. Now, there are things that are variegated in nature and color, and there is a multiplicity of color, and there is gray. But there are things, in fact, that are black and white. And one thing that is, in fact, in black and white is he is Adonai. He is Lord. He is possessor of heaven and earth. He is El Oyon. He is the God of all flesh. He breathed into life itself. That is man and animal. He created. He rules. He has dominion. There is a sword on his side that he takes up and he rides swiftly in justice. He is El Gabor. He is the mighty God. He is the preeminent one. He is the ancient of days. He is, was, and will be. That's what it's about. 
all these little gods are nothing and we must worship the one true God. And finally, the last key takeaway biblically is Passover was commanded to be memorialized throughout the generations. We can see this in Exodus 12, 14, 17 and 24. I want to quickly fast forward to some revelatory key takeaways on Passover, the Passover here now in 2020. Number one, I believe this is going to be a foundational Passover, not dissimilar to the one during Israel's captivity or the resurgence of it during King Josiah's time. I believe it'll be a Passover of all Passovers. It's going to be fantastic. Number two, it's a time to get to work. Refer to Nehemiah chapters two through three, the church, the sons of God, the elect, the children, the bride. We got some work to do. So once we have received the salvation, the prison doors open that Yeshua has come as it was said he was coming. The anointing is upon him to deliver the captives. It is time for his bride to get to work. Number three, it's time to move for we have the king's favor. Now, this king is little king. And you can see this in Nehemiah too. We will have the favor of human governing authorities, the church to move thus and thus. You want to look for this and you want to make sure you stop cursing and stop being a naysayer of current governing leaders and officials. And I'm not naming any specifics and I'm not going to. That's on the lowest level to the highest level because Yahweh has always had the ability and will always have the ability to use whomever he chooses to use and how to whisper into the spirit, soul and ear of man where the wicked are righteous and allow the wicked even to do his bidding and will on behalf of the righteous. You want to make sure you look for the favor of the king that is the governing of officials and leaders in the land to be upon the church, the sons of God, the sons of Yahweh. It was the same way as it was in Esther. It was the same way as it was with Ezra. Number four, Nisan is the month where the enemy plots for the year when and how to steal, kill and destroy. That is very important. I'll say that again. Nisan is the month where the enemy plots for the entire year when and how to steal, kill, and destroy. It is a deciding month. Now, if you go back and listen to some of the insights I said for the decade and for the year of 2020, um, I actually released this in the headline two episode where I said that 2020 is a deciding year like Deuteronomy 28. And this is biblical. You can see this in the book of Esther that they cast lots in Nisan. Nisan is a deciding month. In the month of Nisan, it was decided that the last month, which was our actual Gregorian last month of March, Adar, would be the month to attack the Jews. Thankfully, for the sons of God, it is the month of salvation. So even though those naysayers, those wicked ones, those evil men plot to usurp Yahweh's authority and to kill, steal, and destroy against us, he saves in this month. I love how the opposite is trumped by the originality of the gift in the month. That's why we have to understand time. We have to understand gifts in time, gifts in land, gifts in human beings, gifts in businesses, because it helps us to understand Yahweh's true and original intent and purpose. 
And once we have that, nothing else matters because it's about his intent, his plan, his purpose, not what the enemy's doing. And when we know those things, we can come against and have dominion and dominate against the opposing force of the righteousness and redemption in the time, gift, land or business. Number five, according to Nehemiah 2, 19 through 20, Yah's children are distinguished from his illegitimate children. And the rightful children are privileged to have increase and to worship Yahweh. His illegitimate children are rebuked for their lack of inheritance in Yahweh and are reminded that they have neither power nor authority of legitimacy or to say what the legitimate can do. I love that. You got to read Nehemiah 2, 19 through 20. In fact, I'm going to read it for us. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arid, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? Now, remember, if you go back up to Nehemiah 2, which I encourage you to read, Nehemiah 2 through 4, it's, it's really great chapters. The king gave permission, the right and privilege for Nehemiah to do thus and thus. That was purpose in his heart to do by Yahweh. So Nehemiah answered him or them and said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. I love it. It is a time for the sons of Yah to be strong in him and in his might and to tell our opponents like Moses and Aaron and Nehemiah told their opponents to bow down to the great God. We are the legitimate. I love Nisan. I love this time frame, and I love what he is doing in the earth realm for us on our behalf now. Number six, it is a month of legitimacy and the scepter of favor is extended to Yahweh's true sons. Ask, request, be bold when you go before him. Number seven, Yeshua rebukes those who call themselves Jews, but are Satan's seed. He says this to the sixth in the sixth church's commendation. And you can find this in Revelation chapter three. And he says to the sixth church where these people who are the seed of Satan call themselves Jews, I'm going to give you so much authority and power over them, the keys of David, that they won't even be able to say who they are because you're going to reveal and expose them and have so much authority over them. It goes in line with the, the previous principles that we just found as key takeaways for 2020 Passover. Number eight, it is a time to move quickly. Tighten your belt. Have on your shoes and prepare yourself for the journey. Renowned prophet Chuck Pierce exhorted the body to tighten our belts. I'll take it further. Tighten your belt, ready your shoes and bring your staff. We can see this as an instruction given by Yahweh to Moses and Aaron in Exodus chapter 12. The belt represents truth. The shoes represent the gospel of peace and the staff represents the journey that we're about to go on for us to receive comfort as well as have support. It is implicitly specific to what the Israelites did as they left and journeyed through the wilderness and as they journeyed out of Egypt into their destiny. We got to see this. 
You need to make sure you are eating fast, you're eating with haste, you're doing things with haste up until the actual Passover. And once the spirit of salvation by Yeshua breaks over us, we've got to move and we got to move quickly. But we're moving in truth. We're moving with an authority that is found in the Gospels with peace. Peace is going to gird and going to be on our feet. There's going to be such an evangelistic utterance where people salvation is going to be spread. It's going to be the talk and the buzz and the air and not the pandemic that has been current. And we're going to have comfort as they had comfort as they left Egypt. There was a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. They received so many things raining down from them on heaven. They had so much help that was given to them as they journeyed through. We're going to have comfort in this season. How's that for being comforted? Now, I know that I can tend to be a warning prophet And I talk about this in a previous episode that I I just made, but I want to give you the fullness of things. I'm not just going to sit here and tickle your feather and tickle your pickle and give you things that's going to make you feel comforted and loved and consoled in the cult of comfort. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you when it's time to be warned and when it's time to be comforted. It is a time for us to be comforted. That's the sons. You want to make sure you pay attention to this. And I, I have a warning. Here it is. To those who are going to miss the things of the past. You want to read what happened with Lot's wife in Genesis chapter 18 and Genesis 19. Abraham's makes intercession for Lot, for Sodom and Gomorrah, and for his his relative Lot and for Lot's family. And Lot and his family were given clearance. But Lot's wife had an obsession with the things of the past. You don't want to have an obsession with the things of the past when you're delivered in Passover 2020. That's a word. Number nine, it is a time to move in silence and do not utter or whisper what Yahweh has purposed in your heart to accomplish until you're established and ready to execute it. You can find this in Nehemiah chapter two. I'm telling you, you've got to read Nehemiah two through the two through three chapters two through four, sorry. Nehemiah did not tell anyone what Yah put in his heart to do until it was time for him to do it. This speaks to the righteous and the king and great discernment housed within both this year and decade. Number 10, Genesis eight thirteen. It was the 601st day, which was the first month, which happens to be Nisan, Yahweh's timetable, and the first day that Noah exited the boat and set feet on dry land. Remember, this is a year of firsts. We've already seen a plethora of firsts in this year within 90 days. The first fruits year and the redemptor prophet year, which is the first of the seven. We have seen worldwide devastation, but ready yourselves for the redemption and power of the true God on our behalf. If you've been tracking with me, you know how I feel about testing prophecy. There is one prophecy I agree with, and it came from Cindy Jacobs. Whether or not she birthed it, I don't know. I know it was a word that came from a collective of prophets, and she released it. 2020 is the year of divine reset, or the year of reset. Well, hello, Genesis 8, 13. The world had been reset for Noah and his family and all on the ark. 
That's an accurate and correct prophetic word. And we should expect to see this. Number 11, it's a time to meet with Yah again in a time of Shabbat. Read Exodus 40, verse 2. Now, we talked about the very first thing in Matthew 12 that Yeshua instructs and says, which Matthew 12 is the precipice for this year and the decade, as I talk about in the very first episode, is we've got to understand Shabbat. If we don't understand Sabbath, if we don't understand how to rest in and rest with and be one with Yahweh, Yeshua, and Holy Ghost, we will not prosper. We will not cross over as our ancestor, progenitor Hebrew, is uh, uh, Abraham the Hebrew who crossed over. We will not enter into the assigned land and lot that has been be predetermined for us. We must understand Shabbat. On the first day of the first month, Moses was instructed to erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. On the first day of the second year in the first month, Moses opened the tabernacle. Nisan is important. It is a very important month. There are lots of firsts in Nisan. Why is that? Because Nisan is the first of the months. Yahweh says this himself in Exodus 12 verse 2. And this is how I was able to prophesy by patterns that this year is the first of years. It is the redemptive prophet year. It is the first fruit year. Nisan number 12 is about first restoration between God and man. See first Chronicles 27 two. Second, man's worship towards Yah. Third, man's honor towards Yah. And fourth, the priesthood's order to execute the sanctification and cleansing of Yahweh's house so that it could be restored. See 2 Chronicles 29. Now, I'm not going to go into detail because I don't want to bore you and get all over your head and, and maneuver into many rabbit holes. But you have to listen to my very first podcast about insights into the decade 2020 to 2029 and year 2025-780. There is so much meat, so much girt, so much revelation, so much truth, and everything is connecting and aligning with this. In that episode, I talk about and I give some exhortations and admonitions or warnings to the body and things that we could expect. One thing I exhort for us to expect is the righteous working of governing leaders with the priesthood like Sadak and Hilkiah and righteous men and governing leaders partnering with prophets like we see in the Old Testament. And the church has lost much of its power and say so in society. I mean, a lot of it. Now, you have to be living under a rock or have your eyes wide shut to not hear the defamation and character assassination against the church. But guess what? A lot of it's true. And it's time for the restoration of the priests to arise and for the priests to execute the sanctification and cleansing of Yahweh's churches, his household, and get the people together and reestablish, reorder, restore, and reconcile true worship. Nisan is all about restoration. Anytime you look up and you see in scripture and you look at and see where there was talk about Nisan, there is some manner and form of restoration and rebuilding. That's what it's about.
Number 13, Judah is going first. And when Judah speaks, everyone else will get in order and defend and protect. You can look at Nehemiah 14 verses 10 through 16. I will read them. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there's so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come in their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, I, Nehemiah, positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held their spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. That is what we can expect. And what we should be looking for. 14, it's a time to be strong. 15, it's a time to set the stage for subsequent years where we succeed and literally hear the plans of scheming of our enemies through the airwaves and from others brought back to us so we can thwart and circumvent them. Again, refer to Nehemiah 14, 4.15. Finally, when we join together, as one to honor and commemorate Passover as commanded, we will see the hand of Yahweh move quickly. That is suddenly on our behalf. Watch for the suddenlies. That's a word. Refer to Second Chronicles 29, 36. It's a good month. Actually, it's a great month. It is a month of delivering and salvation power. Yah's strong right arm of defense and action for his people this is what Nissan represents. I pray you would submit to the divine pause he has placed within Rosh Kadesh and observe his plans and his goings for you this month. I pray you would acclimate yourself to his ways and ready yourself for his perfect time, the Hebrew timing, to be actualized in your life. I pray you allow this Passover to be observed like you've never observed one before and will continue to observe until the end. I pray you tighten your belt, ready your shoes, and gear up your staff. You're exiting Egypt. Blessings.